Well, hey, I just want to greet everybody. I know Obi did, but my name is Louis Kanson. If I have not met you before, I would love to introduce myself to you after the service. I'll be right out there in the lobby. We can shake hands, tell you a little bit more about this place. I've been around a while. I know a few ins and outs. People often ask me, like, can you, can you, you know, do you have, what, what, what can you do to teach me what you've done? I'm like, I, I don't really know. It's just kind of all in here. You know, when you're, when you're born and raised in a place, it's home. And for a lot of you guys had the same feeling. I know a lot of you spent a lot of years here. But man, it's just, it's just home. I, I don't know how to give you directions. I can just show you. I can show you where it's at and I can tell you a story about when it was done and why it was done. But I'd love to share a few of those memories with you. So if you have some time, meet me out in the lobby after service and uh, we'll get to know each other a little bit better. Man, but before we go any further, I want to bless, I know they're not here this morning, but, uh, but Pawn and Dwayne, I just want to tell you that we love you, that we're praying for you and we believe that the Lord is your healer that let there be peace and comfort over you this morning. God, touch them. Let the Holy Spirit just surround them right now and lift them up. In your name we pray. All those who are, are at home this morning or in the building and you're suffering and you're, you're dealing with something, we just want to let you know that we're praying for you. I mean, our prayer warriors hit it hard. I know in our, in our group text we have that when something comes through the office, we hit it out, and these prayer warriors are hitting back hard. They're fighting on your behalf all the time. We are interceding, and so, you know, it's just uh, part, of, part of being a family. You know, we're part of being a family. Sometimes we go through some things, and, man, it makes all the difference to have some prayer warriors on your team. So know that we love you and that we're praying for you this morning, and we want to just encourage you. We'll see you guys really soon, okay? Love you. Um, well, hey, how many of you know it is an awesome, awesome feeling to be productive, right? When you do something productive, I just feel good about myself. Like, I'm happy when I'm productive. Now, I also kind of am happy when I'm lazy, too, but there's a whole different kind of feeling, right? When you get stuff done, I'm like, man, I feel good about myself. I'm just, I feel like I'm ready to go. Like, I, I want to tell everybody, recently we just moved into a new home, and, uh, you know, the, the, the yard and all the... the the, uh, the exterior is just beautiful. The old homeowners took really good care of it. I remember the first time we saw it, I'm like, the first thing in my mind was like, oh, this is pretty, but who's going to do all this? Like, how are we gonna, who's going to take care of all this? And so I've had a couple weeks now, and I'm the one taking care of it. And so I'm, <laughs> just yesterday, I was outside after all this storm doing the cleanup, and, you know, I'm trying to keep things manicured. The old homeowners did such a great job. I've, I've already been informed by the neighbors you know, he was out in the yard twice a week and always trimming things and planting flowers. And I'm like, well, I hate to break it to you, but you might see me out every 10 days or so. I don't know. Maybe, maybe more. So a little bit of pressure there. But, man, I, I, yesterday, you guys would have loved it. I was like the stereotypical guy. Man, I was outside picking everything up. I had Lou helping me for about five minutes, and he wandered off. And then we were doing our thing and getting things ready to go and cleaned up. I got the lawnmower out. Pulled on the cords, kind of stuck. I'm like, what's going on? I had this, and this mower is a nice mower, man. I bought it like a couple years ago. It's, it's a really nice mower. We have a lot of big trees, and so I was like, I'm going to get a good one. So I don't expect this thing to go down. And, of course, it's like the first time I'm out taking care of this lawn, and I'm pulling on the cord, and it's kind of stuck. So I, you know, recoil it, and it, it ends up being okay. I'm pulling it, and now it's not starting. I'm like, man, this thing's never giving me any trouble. Of course, the first time I'm mowing, it doesn't start up. I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? So I go borrow my dad's mower, bring it over to the house. Well, I'm out cutting the grass. I get everything done. <laughs> Rachel, I was just outside admiring it. Like, yeah, I, I mowed my lawn. Rachel comes out. I didn't know she was behind me, but she's watching me. She's like, Where are, what are you doing? I'm like, I, I didn't realize I was also standing there, like one foot up on the, on the stoop. She's like, why are, you, why are you standing like that? I'm like, like what? Oh, well, I, I just mowed the lawn. Look at it. It's beautiful. She's like, yeah, it looks great. It's fine. I'm like, wait a minute. This looks, this looks great. I was sweating and everything. But I was being productive. 
It made me feel good. I did something that, that, that kind of picked up my spirit a little bit. I was happy with myself because I was doing something that I know needed to be done. It's a good feeling to be productive. Um, you know, there's another word for productive. It's, it's really a stewardship. And that's something that came to mind as I was doing it yesterday. It's, it's, it's a blessing to have a nice home and to have the, the lawn and all those things. But, you know, you want to be a good steward of the things that God has given you. We're required to be productive. The Lord asks us to take the gifts that he's given them and do something with them. In the Bible, it's a different word. It's, it's, it's not so much productive as it is be fruitful. Fruits mentioned a number of times in the word. A lot. I think like 60, 67 times or something like that. But the Lord expects us to be fruitful with what he has given us. And he knows that in return, your sense of, a, your sense of responsibility for that and, and the feeling that you get from that is a productive life. It encourages you. It brings fulfillment to you. In John 15, 8, it says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. There's three points in that verse, and it says, the first one is the bearing fruit brings what? Glory to God. When you're productive, it brings glory to God. It acknowledges his name. It shows him that what he's given you, you are using with purpose, and it brings glory to him. The next one is that I am his disciple. Bearing fruit or being productive shows others that you are a disciple of Christ. And the third portion there, God wants you to bear what? Much fruit. He wants you to be very productive. Very productive with the gifts that you have given. Not just the minimum. Not just the, you know, the mow. We got to go edge, right? We got to trim. We got to pick up all the sticks. We got to pull the weeds. We got to make things look extra good. Because God has blessed us with much and he expects us to use those gifts for his glory's sake. A truly productive life is one where the fruit lasts. In John 15, 16, it says, you, do not, you did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Bearing fruit is the purpose of my salvation. It's not just heaven. Of course, we all want to get there, and one day we will. But in the meantime, I want to bear fruit. I want to show others how good God is in my life. A truly productive life, like I said, is where the fruit lasts. Not the flash in the pan scenario where you show up, and I've seen those, you've seen them. Show up a couple weeks, hot and heavy, you're ready to go, and all the old saints are like, all right, just relax a little bit. Like, you're good, we got a long way to go. Long way to go here. I want to be consistent with the blessings that God has given me, with the talents that God has given me, to invest and to be productive on a long-term basis. There's four types of fruit or productive things you want to do or be in order to get on a productive path. The first one is have the fruit of repentance. Man, it's so important that every moment of every day of your life, we're living with a repentant heart. We're creating room for God to come into our lives and identify for us the things where we're falling short on. We're creating the opportunity for him to be the leader of our life, to address the issues in our life, and create a, a better one, not just for us, but for his name's sake. The second thing you want to do is the fruit of the Spirit. How many people know him in here? Can you say him with me? Do you know him? It's love and joy and peace and patience gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. The golden rules, man. 
Living that way creates a life of productivity. It creates a life of fruitfulness. Living with the fruit of the Spirit. The third one, the fruit of bringing someone to Jesus. Reproduce yourself. You know what's funny is that everybody in here is somebody else's fruit. You realize that? You're the fruit of someone else's calling to bring them, bring you to Jesus. You didn't know him before somebody told you, whether it was a mom or a dad or an auntie, a grandparent, a friend, a stranger. They went out and they realized that in their relationship with Jesus, they were called to bear fruit, to share the gospel, to encourage others to Jesus. And when they did that, you became their fruit. Did you know that? You're like, you're an apple this morning. You're a banana. You're somebody else's piece of fruit this morning. We're called to go out and reproduce and share the gospel of Jesus. The last one is the, uh, the fruit of ministry to others. Church on the North Coast, I'm so proud of you guys. Just a couple months ago, my father, Dr. Kayton, was here and he preached and he taught a word on serving. And ever since that moment... Man, our, our serve team has just gone to another level. We have new faces, the, the consistency of those who are, were there prior. Everybody's just understanding, like, man, it's a part of my responsibility to be productive in my church, the place that I call home. Well, I'm not all that comfortable talking to people, or I don't, I don't know where I would really go. I'm not really good with kids, or all these different reasonings. But what happened was is it started to click. We realize that it may not be your most favorite thing to do, but when you're responsible and you're productive with what God has given you, he'll take care of all those shortcomings. It's no big deal. You may not be a very talkative person. Suddenly we got people out greeting people. And they're just chit-chatting it up back and forth, having fun. We got people who never thought they'd be hanging out in kids' church, and they're over there serving, taking care of children, doing what they need to do, ushering out in the parking lot, all over the place. You are being productive, and you are working what God has given you. There's a story in the Bible of Jesus walking with the disciples and he, he notices a tree that doesn't have any fruit on it. And it's funny to me that Jesus would notice this. I mean, amongst all the things he has going on, he sees a tree with leaves and seemingly healthy, but, but recognizes that there's nothing on it. There's nothing really productive being produced from it. And it bothered him. In fact, the Bible says that he saw it multiple times and he would go to check on it to see whether or not maybe a day or two or weeks later, fruit would begin to produce. And this is what he says. I've been coming to look for fruit on this tree and still haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Oh, if the metaphor then is me, I don't want to be cut down. <laughs> While my life looks like it may be potentially ready to bear fruit, if it's not actually bearing fruit, if all I'm ever doing is just showing up, if all I'm ever doing is just sitting in the pew, if all I'm ever doing is just pretending or acting as if like I have a relationship with Jesus, but I'm not bearing any fruit. I haven't lived with the fruits of the spirit. I'm not reproducing myself. I'm not serving in my community. Then really, what am I doing? I'm a fruitless, pointless tree. And Jesus said, cut it down. Well, there's some ways to be productive in life. You guys want to know a few of them? Let's get into it. The first one is, I must cultivate deep, deep roots. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by water that sends out his roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. It leaves, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. 
to stay rooted in the word of God, in your relationship with Jesus is crucial because I think at this point in life, whether you're young or you're old, you've experienced some heat. You've experienced some storms. This past week, I think, woke everybody up. There were some things going on up in that sky that I have never seen in my life. It shook me, literally shook my house, shook your homes, woke you up. And if anything should remind you that when storms come that are so far beyond our control, when things begin to fall apart, when the basement's flooded, when your person walks out on you, when the job you thought was secure is gone, When the family member diagnosed with the thing that you never thought would happen, those are the storms when if not deeply rooted, upheaval happens. Disaster takes place. You have nowhere to turn to because you're not rooted in what you thought you knew. It requires a lifestyle of productivity. It requires us to put in the work before the storm happens. We look oftentimes around at people like, how is she so unfazed? How is he just okay with what's going on around him? He worked there for 20 years and then they just lay him off and his pension's gone and he's just, he's still here on Sunday morning praying for other people. You'd think he'd be the one on his knees weeping and not showing up to church and shaking his fist at God. There's an identifiable attribute to those who are rooted in the understanding of who they really are. It displays themselves most apparent when the storms of life come. Those are the folks you want to be around. They're the folks you want to learn from. That's why it's so incredibly important that we invest ourselves into our local church. We are a part of a church community. We're a part of a life group. Because the reality of those things are reality. They're going to come. They're going to hit you. And when they do, they're going to come like a storm in the middle of the night. But are you rooted in what Jesus has told you you are? In Proverbs, it says this, the righteous, not necessarily the perfect, but the righteous cannot be uprooted. Let me just help clarify for a brief moment. In order to be righteous, you don't have to be perfect. I I just, I consider myself righteous and I am certainly not perfect as Victoria laughs at me. (laughs) Because she knows But I live righteously by understanding this, that Jesus is the bedrock and the foundation of my strength. That when storm comes, all I have to do is turn to him, lean into him. It's what I know about who he's called me to be that keeps me safe when the storms come. In our new home, the gentleman who owned it prior, everybody's told me this as I've met the neighbors, man, Tim did such a great job taking care of that house. He was always the guy who did a little more than needed to be done. He overbuilt things and he made sure that things were correct. Never went halfway on anything. So as the storms were approaching and rain started coming, I thought, man, I really would hate for this beautiful new basement to get destroyed and I'm gonna make sure I keep an eye on the sub pump. I mean, to be honest though, I don't know what I would do. I just kept setting my alarm. If it's flooded, it's flooded. Like, I don't know if I get a cup and just start pouring stuff down the drain or what, but... Either way, I was just trying to be a good steward. So I had my alarm set. You know, I went to bed at like midnight, woke up at two, went downstairs, checked it, everything's fine. Woke up at four, went downstairs, everything's fine. Well, you know, what Tim did is he put three sub pumps in the hole. So there wasn't just one. There were, there were two. And then there was a third one with a battery backup that looks like a Star Trek type 
situation going on the wall with panels and timing and all kind of crazy stuff. I really need to figure out what's going on with it. But what I know is that it worked. Every time I went downstairs to look at the sub pumps or look at the hole, there was, the water was no, uh, no further above than the top of the sub pump itself. He created an opportunity for that house to withstand the storm. Ensuring that the investment made on that property would be sustained. In Psalm 1, verse 2 and 3, it says, They find joy in obeying the law of the Lord, and they study it day and night. They are like trees that grow beside a stream that bear fruit at the right time, and whose leaves do not dry up. They succeed in everything they do. Let me help you understand who they are. They are those who have rooted themselves in the word. The successful ones. You know, the folks on the street who don't have all of their belongings from the basement on the lawn after the storm. (laughs) And I take no credit, but the three sub pump having people that went overboard beforehand, made the extra investment because they knew the storm was going to come. And while they're out on the front lawn enjoying how beautiful their grass looks and you're bringing your carpet up onto the lawn. And I'm hoping they come around, they go, can we give you a hand? <laughs> now just stare at you. But there was an investment made. The reading of the word every single day. The discipline that takes place when you wake up in the morning and the first place you ponder on, the first thing you meditate on is the word of God. The first place you go is your secret place. Getting up just a little bit early to ensure that you have time to spend with your maker. Because what you know is that the moment you step outside of that door, the storms of life are going to smack you. Sometimes they're going to punch you. Sometimes they might just drop kick you and go for the knockout, right? But those who are rooted in their word, who have spent time with their father, who can identify very easily the storms that are making them better and use them to their advantage when they come, will be the ones who succeed. I believe that's each and every one of you in here this morning. Since you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, live in union with him. Keep your roots deep in him. Build your lives on him. I mean, can it get any more clear on how to live a successful life? It, it's, just, it's just right there. Keep your roots deep in him. It says build your lives on him and become what? Stronger in your faith as you were taught. Well, whether you know it or not, Sunday morning is for a lot of things. But right now, you're being taught. You're being told how to live a successful life. Here's what takes place. When you leave from here and you don't take with you the teaching and you don't implement it into your life. And then when you come back and you say, why is my life not working out the way you said it would? The question will be, did you do what you were taught? Did you root yourself in the word? Because the reality of it is, is that I, just like you and everybody else on this planet is dealing with the same exact issues. The separation from those who are succeeding in those issues and those who are not are only the thin line of those who have rooted themselves in the word of God. Understanding that even when they're going through a storm, Jesus is working on their behalf on the backside. That he's setting them up, self, that he's setting them up for something greater. I don't necessarily see a destroyed basement. I see an awesome remodel. 
I don't necessarily see a lost job. I see a promotion. Right? I don't see a devastated relationship. I see something better. Something, a love that, a love that was so much deeper than I ever had. Because God is a restoring God in every situation. Not just to the bare minimum, but even better than before. Amen? Number two, let's move on. I must eliminate the weeds. Ugh. You got to get rid of stuff in your life. As I'm working on the lawn, I text Rachel. I said, man, I, our house is still kind of in, in, in you know, shambles. We're moving in and things are spread out all over the place. And I couldn't find any lawn bags. I wanted to get some lawn bags and clean things up really nice. And I'm like, hey, can you stop at the store and grab me some lawn bags on your way home? And then I hit her up again. I said, oh, you know what else I need? I need some weed killer. I need you to buy me one of the bottles of weed killer, like the concentrate kind. Now, like, make sure you get the good stuff. I want to make sure that all this stuff kills it. And, and I told her, get the kill all, not it's like the one that goes in the grass. I want the stuff that kills everything. I'm going to be really careful. She's like, okay, okay, no problem. Well, she came home and she handed me this bottle. And I'm like, right away, I knew. I'm like, this, thank you, but this isn't it. She's like, oh, yeah, I, I, this is it. Because I went to the register and I had the bottle you told me to get. And it was like $50. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's concentrated and it's weed kill and it's a good. She's like, no, this one was only like $15. And I got this one. I'm like, no, look, I just want to say thank you first off for going and trying, but I can't use this. She's like, why? It's the same exact thing. I'm like, it's not the same thing. I don't know what all those words mean on the back, but the ingredients are different. And what I know is that the $50 bottle kills everything. And this other bottle, it doesn't kill everything. I need everything dead that's not supposed to be alive. It's the same thing in your life. Everything that's not alive in your life that God hasn't destined for you, you got to cut it out. You got to weed it. You got to kill it. You can't skimp on the weed killer. You can't think you can just get rid of a few things in your life and everything's going to be all right. Because many of you know, all of you know, if you've messed with the lawn at all, that those weeds are relentless. They're ruthless. You got to get down deep. You got to twist them out. You got to take the root. And then you probably still got to spray down in that hole to make sure it doesn't come back. And guess what happens after all that? They still come back. Every day, you got to kill what's in your life that doesn't belong there. You got to go for the expensive bottle. You got to get there extra time. You got to pray longer. You got to worship harder. You got to get into your word more. One chapter, two chapters, three chapters. You got to study it. You got to ponder it. You got to ask questions about it. You got to kill it. You got to take everything out by spending your time with the Lord. The seed is the word of God. The seed that falls among weeds stands for those who hear, but the, but the worries and the riches and the pleasures of life crowd in and they choke them and their fruit never ripens. Don't get caught up in the pleasures of life, the establishment of all the things that you have to do. And I know it's not easy. Raising children and going to work and building a career and doing all the things that are seemingly required of you. It takes work to not pull into the driveway and go, I'll just do the lawn tomorrow. I'll catch up with it on Saturday. If you make today's problems Saturday problems, By the time you get there, you'll be so overwhelmed, your whole day is going to be ruined. And then you're playing catch up. And now you're missing out on all the fun. Because while I was working on my yard, and Hans was working on his, and you were working on yours on the day it was supposed to get worked on because you said you would do it. Now we're all enjoying Saturday's festivities. 
We're having a good time and you're outside sweating trying to catch up with what you're doing. And you're probably not doing as good of a job because you really want to get to the party. So you're just kind of halfway doing it. You're not going to pull all the weeds, just the ones they can see. I won't get behind the bushes. I'll just do the upfront ones. And what you're left with are the same problems you had last week. What you're left with are the same realities you've been experiencing for the last three, four, five, six decades of your life. And wondering, man, I don't understand. I'm out here working on my yard all the way, all the time, just like they are. And yet I can't get rid of these issues. I've been struggling with addiction my whole life. I've been struggling with loss this whole entire time. I just can't get rid of it. I pray about it. I talk about it. Well, listen, you're going to have to get on it. Every nine to ten days just ain't going to cut it. Coming to church once a week isn't going to work. My goodness, if we all came to church once a week, maybe it would. We've got to get into our word. We've got to spend Jesus, spend time with Jesus every single day. Let's move into number three. I must cooperate with God's pruning in my life. Ah, this one hurts. You're going to look over at somebody and say, ouch. Oh. Look at Jesus is cutting stuff out all the time. Here's the thing. Like he's not just looking for the dead stuff. He's looking for the things that are alive as well. And I'll make you question a little bit because, Lord, I, I feel like this is a good area in my life. I've been doing really well at this. I've conquered. I've, I mean, look at this even bearing fruit. And you want to cut this out? I've worked hard for this. What you don't know and what you're often re- not realizing is that Jesus has something bigger for you, something better for you. It's not always just the obvious where the things in your life that are looking all destroyed and brown and dead and, you know, the leaves are falling off and there's nothing on it. First instinct is just cut that out and that's the only thing you want to do. But a real gardener knows if you want those full, thick roses, you've got to prune them back. Even when they look like they're doing well. If you want to be on the cover of the magazine for the best yard in the the city, you got to go hard in the paint when it comes to taking care of even the things that look good in your life. That's why being in tune with the Holy Spirit is so important. Because while you think what's going on is all good, Jesus is over here saying, look, I got bigger, better plans for you. But in order to get there, you got to let me take care of these things. You got to start letting me cut some things out in your life that you thought you had under control. That you thought you were in a good place for. That you become comfortable with. And yeah, it looks okay, but if you'll just trust me. I'm going to blow your mind with something that's so much better. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He lops off every branch that doesn't produce. And he prunes the branches that bear fruit. And he prunes those branches that bear fruit for even larger crops. Man, that's a good feeling. It's good to know, but it sure is hard to practice. The other day, I was traveling around town, running errands all over the place, and my boys and I were actually going to go to the, the Browns training camp. We got rained out, and they were so disappointed. But that morning, I got a phone call from a friend. He said, hey, man, I got a, I got a lead on a property. I really want to look at it with you. I think we should go take a look. I said, man, I'm in. Let's go. He said, well, here's the, here's the catch. I'm out of town. I need you to go. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll go. I'm like, that's cool. I'm like, I got a, thing, a few things going on, and but the, but the game thing got canceled. I was like, we're going to go hang out for a little bit. So the consolation prize, we went over to Dave and Buster's and played some video games and hung out. And by the time we were done with that, that fun time, I, I, I thought to myself, like, all right, do I go take the boys back home and go look at this property? I, you know, I was like, I'm going to go take them with me. So we drove over. We, we went and looked at the property. I started getting really excited. And they came around, and I'm just showing them the ropes a little bit. I'm like, here's what you want to look for. We got some damage over here, and we're going to need to— we're going to need to fix that. It's going to cost about this much money. And, you know, some of the windows need to be replaced. But they're like, Dad, this place is a dump. 
I'm like, well, it is a dump, but it won't be a dump. You got you to gotta put some money into it. You got to put some work into it. We went outside, looked at the yard. Everything's all overgrown. And, you know, they're just seeing what they see. And I'm seeing what I see. And I'm seeing the end game, right? And I was just getting really excited. I'm like, man, this is a great property. We're going we're to do this thing. I think it's going to be really good. So I talked with my buddy, and we went over some numbers. And I'm like, let's do it, man. Let's, let's make it happen. We'll, we'll go up to this number, and we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can get the house. And I was excited. I'm like, God, this is your timing. I just know it. Like, it's all, this is blessed. And I, I was assured in my spirit, like, this was God. Like, I just, I just knew it was. In fact, I was so confident with it. I called Rachel. I'm like, hey, I'm going to need to take this amount of money. She's like, hold on. What are you talking about? I'm like, well, it's kind of a last minute thing, but we're going to do this. And so I was just ready. I was like, I was on the way. And the boys are like, could you take us home, please? I was like, wow, we got to go to the bank now. We got to do this. We got to do that. So I was so sure that this was going to happen. I started lining up finances. I mean, just within like an hour. And later on that evening, I got the call and, you know, we didn't get it. Long story short, we didn't get it. Somebody came in and they way outbid us and took the property. And I'm thinking to myself, like, God, I swore I heard your voice. I, I really did. I thought, I thought for sure you were telling me that this is, this is for you, son. I want you to have it. This is going to be great. It's going to be a good investment. I've set it aside for you. And I was all in. I'm like, cool. And then suddenly, like, it's gone. So I was really disappointed. I'm thinking to myself, like, man, this is messed up. And in that brief moment while I was kind of sulking and down on myself and, and upset about it, you know, Jesus reminded me. Before I text my friend back, I was having that conversation with the Lord. And he's like, Lou, I got something better for you. I got something so much better for you. I'm going to blow your mind. I'm like, really? That's great. And I, I started not to feel so bad. I'm like, well, that was pretty cool, though. I would have taken it just so we're on the same page. Like, I started looking. I would have had it. It's fine. It's like, no, 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 I, I, I want you to be more than blessed. Like, this would have blessed you for sure, but I promise you, son, I've got, I've got more for you. And man, it just, it, it made me feel so, so loved. Like, you know, when a, when a father picks you up, and it wasn't like it was a big, devastating situation that was painful in my life, but it, but it was just those little moments when you have the assurance from your father that says, I have something better for you. And I'm like, well, that was already so good. And you just can't believe that you're loved that much. And I know it's true because I've experienced it in my life time and time again. That's the assurance and understanding of knowing that when you're rooted in, in who Jesus is and who he has made you to be, there's a comfort and a peace that comes from that. Even in, even in your financial life or your, your, your physical life, your mental, your relationships, every turn Jesus is creating, not just the getting rid of the bad things, he's creating better situations for you. Those of us sitting in this room today that are under the sound of my voice, if you're struggling with pain, hurt, let me help you understand something. That when the pruning of Jesus comes in your life, even the good things you thought were supposed to be there, he's got something better for you. He's setting you up and creating the opportunity for there to be even more in your life. So don't get down on yourself. Don't walk away from what you've been doing. Stay rooted in Jesus. Stay rooted in the promise of who he is in your life. And understand that bigger and better is on the way. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Let me tell you something. There is an upside to every dark side. It's so important that you remind yourself when you're going through the storm 
when the issues of life come, when the pains and hurts that have overcome you and overtaking you, and you are thinking to yourself, I'm never going to get out of this. On the other side of that storm, there is beauty. If you'll just stop for a moment and recognize that and begin to allow the Lord to, to, to take over the situation, to give him permission to prune away the things in your life that he knows are preventing the future of what he has for you, you'll be so much better off. Number four, the last one, I must patiently wait and expect a harvest. My worship team, you guys can join me. We're ready to go. Number four is I must patiently wait and expect for a harvest. John 12, 24, 25 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life will lose it. What's it saying there in John? You got to let it die. I know it seems like the opposite of what it is that usually would, would be, be productive. But in order for a seed to grow, it's got to die. In order for your life to change, some things got to be cut out. In order for there to be progress, there has to be some pain. And in those moments, if you'll just continue to trust, you'll continue to obey, stay steadfast and obedient. If you just won't quit, you can't lose. There's never been anything more powerful in my life, more substantial, more significant than in the times when I was going through fire. Because as fun as success is, it's not the things that shape you. They're not the things that mold you. It's the struggles that make you who you are. Jesus hung out with 12 people on his life, in his lifetime. He did many miracles, and there were thousands. People would watch him turn water into wine, and he would reproduce food for everybody, and he would heal people, and he would touch people and raise people from the dead. But it was those disciples who watched Jesus cry and bleed and struggle that understood and knew and went further than anybody else ever did in the good times. It was those who spent time around him when he was in pain that went further with their relationship with Christ than anybody else. It's those of us who stick around during even the hard times that go to the next level. This morning, if you're ready to go to the next level, stand on your feet with me. In John 15, 15, it says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. If any man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, he can do nothing. Apart from him, we can do nothing. At the end of every single service, there's always that moment, right? And here we are. 
when we begin to realize all the words prior to the ones that I'm about to speak now are insignificant compared to about the choice you're going to make. And whether you know Jesus or you've never met him before, maybe you're somewhere in between. You know, like you guys have bumped into each other a few times. You're on an acquaintance level. Say hi. Talk about the weather here and there. A couple of times, maybe you even opened up. Got a little deeper. Here's that moment, though. Where you make a decision to stop quitting. To stop turning back. To stop giving up when times get hard. To recognizing that the storm you're going through now is simply a setup for a future full of blessing, full of hope, full of healing, full of the destiny of the goodness of Jesus in your life. The pain that you're experiencing right now, the hurt, the heartache, the sickness, the questioning, the confusion. If you'll just turn your eyes towards the Lord, if you'll just turn your heart to God, if you'll just take a deep breath and allow the burden of trying to figure it out, trying to fix it, trying to resolve it, and let Jesus come in and start to prune away the things that we're just incapable of taking care of. If you'll just splurge for that $50 bottle. If you'll just spend a few more hours in the yard this week, maybe even just 30 minutes a day, suddenly Saturday rolls around. Things are looking pretty good. Got your foot up on the stoop, hands on your hips. Everybody's driving by. Like, man, must be nice. Yeah, it sure is. I worked my tail off for this. I invested to it. I know I'm all cleaned up now. But man, if I showed you my hands, you could just feel the calluses there. I showed you some of my scars. You'd realize what, what I have was earned. The fires that I've gone through, the experiences that have forged you, that have hardened you, that have created a steadfast, vigilant, holy, righteous anger, defying what the devil continues to try to take from you. Because you refuse to quit, because you refuse to give in, to wallow, to give the devil even an inch in your life. Today's the day 
that we never quit again. Matter of fact, I want you to say it with me. You guys want to do that? Come on, declare out loud to yourself. We're going to say, I don't quit. I won't quit. I won't quit on count of three. You ready? One, two, three. I won't quit. Never quitting again. Now find somebody, tell them, don't give up. Tell them again, don't you give up. We're not going to let you give up. There's unity here. We celebrate one another. We celebrate Jesus. We're here for the good times, for the bad times. I mean, come on, let's just be honest. I'm going to walk out of here. I'm going to do some things that otherwise would appall you and disqualify me to ever stand up on this stage. You're going to walk out of here. You're going to do and say and act a certain type of way that's like, you go where? (laughs) You're you're a what? You could have fooled me. Well, yeah, I know I messed up, but here's the thing. I'm rooted and, and, and I'm going through some things. So I just want to let you know that what came out of my mouth was not a reflection of what's in my heart. <laughs> and I apologize. That's the best I can do. I'd also like to invite you to church. That's okay. It might be bad timing. <laughs> but it's good because there you can find forgiveness. There you can find a whole bunch of messed up people who love Jesus with all their hearts. Who aren't afraid to tell you their scars. Who aren't afraid to give you a little bit of their testimony and help you recognize you're really not that far away from where they are. It's just a thin, real thin line of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning. Of putting him first and recognizing that even while you're going through the storm, he's still he's gonna be right there. He's gonna go with you. you. You don't have to be perfect to come to this altar. That's not how that works. That's what it's there for. <laughs> you know, it's it's the I gotta get ready to get ready. You know, ain't no getting ready, man. Like the first day at the gym is today. It's not tomorrow. You don't get ready to, to get ready. You, you, just, you just go do it. And guess what? It's not going to be easy. <laughs> you're going to wake up tomorrow. You're going to be sore. You're going to be a little bit of a fan. You're going to be a little offended. You're going to be wondering like, where, where my arm? What? Jesus, what'd you just cut off? That was my thing. He's like, yeah, well, it was dead. I had to take it. What about that? That was really good. I was successful. Yeah, well, I got something better for you. I had to take that too. What? <laughs> I'm hopping around on one leg over here, man. I thought this was supposed to be easy. Once I gave my life to Jesus, everything was supposed to be perfect. That's when the real work begins, guys. That's when we start becoming who God really destined us to be. This morning, if you're ready to make that decision, I don't need you to throw your hand up. I don't need you to really do anything. To be honest with you, I, I feel like Jesus and you already had that conversation. But I go through with it just like this because, you know, just make sure. Bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, I come before you today and I give you my life. From this day forward, I will never quit on you again. I commit to staying in the fire, to allowing you to prune weed and infiltrate every portion of my life God from here forward I am in you and you are in me I give you permission 
to run every aspect of my life. I love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we go, my altar ministers, would you please come to the front? And I know that there are many in here that if you prayed that prayer this morning, these folks up here want to talk with you. They want to pray with you. They want to give you more understanding of what it is you just did because there's a process now to be had. It takes work, daily maintenance. If you need prayer for anything, healing, you just need to talk to somebody. Man, you might just need to cry on somebody's shoulder. They're here to bless you, to love on you, let you know that, hey, everything's going to be all right. And it is. We love you. Live right. Pray hard and love everybody. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. Be blessed.